Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discover Rising Tides, How the Outside Makes the Inside Better. My name is Jean Gallagher, and we, we talk with women business owners and explore the importance of the outdoors and maintaining their life balance and, and understand their journey. And also, I am so always, as always, happy to have the, the, <laughs> our Healthy Living, Happy Life segment with Denise Stigall. Hey, Denise. Hello, hello. And as everyone knows, Denise is an international best-selling author of Healthy Living, Happy Life, a practical path to finding a healthy lifestyle that works for you and curator at Living Healthy List. And this month's topic is, it's not R, it is, the topic is <laughs> three keys to successful leadership and why they work. I know is R. It's the there's three of them, so it should be an R, but it's actually one topic. One topic. So. <laughs> I love it. So I love this idea of three keys to successful leadership because you know, as a healthy lifestyle coach, everybody's always thinking, you know, or they get they meet me and the first thing they go, oh, I know I should eat better. Oh, I know I got to lose weight. Oh, I know. And I'm like, there's so much more to healthy lifestyle and healthy living than one piece. And when we think about success, you know, we, you and I have talked about perfectionism. We've talked about happiness. We've talked about success, but success as a leader um, is really a unique topic because people who are, who are leading uh, others, you don't know, need to be on the top of their game. Not that the rest of us don't, but leaders absolutely need to be at the top of their game to get people to to follow them, to get people to respond, um, and in a positive way. You know, we want leaders or leadership to be people who we can look up to, people that we admire, and so for those people who are in those positions or striving to uh, to get into those positions, living a healthy lifestyle is, is essential. Um, and it's as essential as the experience, the education, the work, all of those pieces. I'm glad you bring this up because it's a topic that is not talked about a lot because as you just said, it is, if you're going to be a leader, it is the education and your background and your bio, your bio and your LinkedIn profile and your resume, but really people aren't talking about taking care of yourself first in order to provide the leadership to others. And, and it's true. If you are in that type of a role or you're striving towards that role, it's exhausting and and it's easy to become run down and you're you're not your best self if you're not taking care of yourself and and it's interesting what you just said so what you just said i actually had in my notes to kind of close up with later but leadership excellence or excellence in leadership begins with self care and mm -hmm. a commitment to a healthy lifestyle you want people to follow you because you know you're vibrant and you're energetic if you know you can be the smartest person in the world and have all of the credentials but you know if you're lethargic and you're you know you're not exciting to be around if you're one of those people who walks into the room and kind of like the air gets deflated no one's going to uh, want to follow you mm -hmm. so i think it's it's essential that we all understand whether we're striving for those leadership positions uh, or in them or really striving to be the best leader of our family, our unit, our friends, whatever that may be. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
So what is the first, the first of the three? Okay, so the first of the three, and it's not going to be what you think, because I always start with the with one specific thing, but today I'm changing it up. The first key to successful leadership is regular physical exercise. Inside, outside, even better. Right? Why does it work? Exercise is essential. It is vital. It is like Mas importante when it comes to obviously maintaining your physical health, but also your uh, mental and emotional health. And I think we forget about those pieces when it comes to exercise. You know, we go to exercise, we go to the gym, we we pump, you know, pump iron because we want stronger muscles. You know, we want to look a certain way. Um, but the endorphins that you know start to go, uh, we get rolling when we're exercising. Um, I went for a run yesterday outside um, and it's starting to get chilly, but we've had, we, we, we've had a little bit of a break so we could, I could get outside and run. And beforehand I was kind of thinking, Oh, you know, I got a lot to do and I'm a little stressed out. Forget it. I got in the middle of that run, forgot all about that endorphins high felt good. And when I did get back to uh, my work, it wasn't stressful anymore. Mm -hmm. I kind of worked mm -hmm. out the stress and was able to really manage um, what was stressful or what was stressing me out about it. Because while I was exercising, I was able to kind of really think through um, the situation. Quite often the stories that we tell ourselves and we're trying to convince ourselves not to do the exercise mm -hmm. are, are stuff we make up between our ears. Oh, and, and then for, for me, I play, I play head games with myself to try to get myself out of the head games. So, so it is, well, if I don't go, how am I going to feel? Well, if I do go, how am I going to feel? And it's kind of ridiculous if we just do it and get it over with. And so we've talked about this piece before in the past and the importance of blocking our calendars. And when you, talk about that. yeah, well then. <laughs> and blocking our calendars, it. but also mm -hmm. sticking sticking to it. But so the, one of the challenges of blocking my calendar that I have is I'm most productive in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'm most productive for exercise and I'm most productive to work. So blocking my calendar and saying, well, my day isn't going to start until this point. I have to adjust my morning work thinking and and practice that in order to stick with the obligation. Oh, absolutely. And this is, this is the fun piece of, you know, finding what works for you. Mm -hmm. um, I like to work out in the morning. I just do. I like to get it kind of like, I hate to say get it done, but that's what gets my day started. You know, I get mm -hmm. my, I wake up, I do my little meditations in the morning and then I get my exercise done because in a way it makes me feel good because I can check that box. I've got, now gotten um, an energy boost from mm -hmm. exercise and it actually makes me more excited for the things that I have coming up during the day. Um, and I'm not stressed out about, oh, when am I going to fit in my exercise? Think about CEOs of companies, busy uh, business leaders, world leaders. When, when are they exercising? They're probably exercising at five, six o'clock in the morning before they go to the office. Or say seven o'clock in the morning before they go to the office. I don't need that. Nobody really needs to, to work out at five, though I know a ton of people who do. It's a priority. So it's already in their calendar. 
And the beautiful thing is if they're still productive in the mornings, they can be both physically productive and productive at work because they're, they're starting it early enough. Um, there was a class that I used to go to um, before COVID and the class didn't start till 930. Mm. And for me, we didn't really get anything accomplished before the class. Mm-mm. And then after the class, by the time I got home and showered, it was like 1130. So Days my entire over. morning <laughs> was shot. Yeah. So morning workouts um, for busy uh, leaders is really, um, it's really the only way they can fit it in. Mm-hmm. And, and it is in, in, what yeah, I know that there's a lot of people that struggle. Maybe they might not be in a management position, or they're working off hours, even in a management position as as a leader there. And, and the challenge is deciding, mm-hmm. deciding, and then acting. Right. It's kind of what it has to become a non-negotiable, um, and in and, and it's prioritized in the calendar. And again, if somebody is working different hours, obviously they need to find what, when is their, mm-hmm. you know, um, their morning routine, like what, what morning routine, when is their exercise most beneficial for them? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if it's, you know, I always say if it's in the calendar, it's real. If mm-hmm. it's not on the calendar, it doesn't happen until, you know, there are lots of people that'll say, oh yeah, I've been doing it. You know, I've been doing this at seven o'clock in the morning for 20 years. It's just a habit. I just don't even have to think about it anymore. Most people aren't there yet. Mm -hmm. So that's why I love the calendar, like to put Mm -hmm. it in the calendar. And so to re so what are the three different areas that will help people motivate to motivate themselves to make sure that they make this a priority? So what will, what could they benefit? How would they benefit from having regular exercise? Ooh, how do you benefit? Okay. How do you benefit? One, boost those energy levels. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of us kind of wake up like, okay, you know, getting the day. If you're a, a, a person who likes to exercise in the afternoon, again, you get that energy boost. Um, exercise reduces your stress. Mm-hmm. It just does. People will say to me, oh, but like, I'm stressed out. I, I just have to relax. Exercise is actually relaxing because you're, you're, you're working on, you're working different muscles. You're not just working this one behind between your ears. You're actually working your muscles. And while you're doing it, that is actually calming your, your brain, kind of calming that flight or fight. Hey, I said it right. Um, uh, piece in your brain. So definitely reducing stress. Mm-hmm. This is the piece that I love. And for leaders, this is essential. Guess what? For every last one of us, this is absolutely essential. Better focus and cognitive function. We think better. We're more creative. Whatever that means to you. Um, You know, for me, um, creativity, I was doing something this morning that I hadn't done in a long time. I started writing, um, choose a word, it's one word, and then write creatively for six minutes. I don't know. Somebody said that to me once and said the six minutes stuck in my head and just writing about that one word, the creativity is it just, it's amazing. Like I, I come up with things like, I know I that it's one of those things that obviously I do, um, you know, after my workout and it's, it's amazing mm. how, my mind is just, it's almost like, like working out is, is, you know, literally working my brain, my little brains on a treadmill thinking like, 
I've got this great idea. Oh my God. I mean, I literally, when I'm on my treadmill or if I'm on my elliptical, I have to have a pen and paper next to me because that's when ideas come to me. If I don't have a pen and paper, it's out the window. And gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are really, the, those, those are all the reasons to make exercise a non-negotiable part of your day. Whether you want to be the leader of a company, the leader of your family, the leader of your church, your community, whatever it may be, or if you just want to be the leader of you. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. And I look forward to number two and number three. And for the successful leaderships, um, the ways for successful leaderships and how they work. And we'll get to number two and number three. So everybody come on back. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Discover Rising Tides, How the Outside Makes the Inside Better. My name is Jean Gallagher, and today we we have a wonderful guest today, and through our regular theme, we talk with women business owners and how they utilize the outdoor for life balance, but also understanding their journey, and I'm really excited to talk with Kimberly. Kimberly Kudin is our guest today. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, Jean. Thanks for having me. Oh, excited for this conversation. And so Kimberly wears many hats from being an adjunct professor at Cal Poly. She works with individuals and groups and organizations with her equine assisted learning program, fostering personal growth and compassionate leadership. And she also helps wounded military heroes over their challenges through surfing, as she says, wave at a time. So there's a lot to unpack. And um, where would you, let's start. So let's start with, and also in addition to that, she ha- she owns Rona's Quality Auto Repair too. So add one more thing to the in- thing to the stack. And number one, how do you manage it all? <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> um, but give us a little bit about your background and where things started and how it evolved to where it is today. Okay. Um, well, I guess I'll start uh, pretty much at the beginning. I grew up in Las Vegas, and. Um, I did not grow up with a a very outdoorsy family. My dad was a stockbroker. My mom was a banker. Mm -hmm. Um, But my grandfather was a cowboy. And um, I kind of followed in his footsteps with my love of horses. Mm. So um, when I graduated from high school and was choosing a a university, I I thought I was good at math and wanted to be an engineer. So I chose San Luis Obispo, Cal Poly at San Luis Obispo because of their engineering program Mm -hmm. in combination with their rodeo team was like number one in the nation at the time in the late eighties. So um, that was why I picked this place. And here I am. I I moved to San Luis Obispo in, in 90 or something like that and started school realized that I didn't like math as much as um, was required to be a good um, engineer. (laughs) So I switched to agribusiness Mm -hmm. because I figured business is is kind of a general thing and agriculture would allow me to take equine classes as um, electives. Mm. So um, I studied, uh, graduated, uh, followed the advice of my, um, advi- my academic advisor, and I interviewed with a with a local company, um, uh, a local 
Southern California mm -hmm. um, multinational agribusiness company. And um, I was hired on with them. I, I, I interviewed with others as well, but I, for whatever reason, that was the one that felt true to my heart. And um, I fell in love with the industry. Mm. Um, realized how interesting biology is um and i got to travel a lot so how found out how exciting the world is and mm -hmm. different cultures and different languages i had studied german i minored in german and i spent i did an internship in germany wow. so i had the kind of travel bug um and then when i was in my early years working um i was able to spend a lot of time in latin america and um, as I progressed through my career, I was um, I was I was then able to spend more time in like Asia and India and um, Europe and in um, yeah many different cultures. And so I was really really fortunate. Um, uh, I then, I mean, do you have any like questions or thoughts? Because I can like just... no yeah no this is it's really fascinating and your ability to um integrate travel as well as everything that you're doing it, it's it's a, it's an opportunity that not many people have to be able to be in an industry that you're passionate about as well as incorporate the travel and everything and the culture the learning of cultures that comes along with that too well and you know along with the theme of your whole podcast about the outside what i loved um when I was studying agriculture was that I, that I got to be outside. Cal Poly has a theme of learn by doing. Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of lab classes where we spent a lot of time outside. You know, I was in machinery management. I learned how to drive a tractor. We, you know, we had projects where we learned about entrepreneurial and business things um, and was able to combine that with horses. So we, I was on, on in a, uh, an enterprise project where we had been donated, the school had been donated horses and we had an opportunity to train those horses and put them to sale. Wow. Um, so, um, so that kind of gave me a, a taste of the, of the um, entrepreneurial bug. Mm -hmm. And then when I was able to get into industry and I spent time outside, I was never, I've never really spent any time in an office. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been really fortunate that way because that feeds me. Mm. Um, and I loved the work because I, um, I, I I put myself through college. So there was always that um, underlying stress of like having the money to pay for rent and blah, blah, blah. And when I started working in industry, I was like, this is so easy. All I have to do is wake up and do what they say. And I don't have to worry about anything. So um, it was hard work, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I just had no stress. So um, yeah, and then a couple of years into it, by the time I was, gosh, I think it was my late 20s, I decided to go back to school and get an MBA. Mm -hmm. I was dating my um, first husband at that time. He was in law school. So um, that was kind of something that we had in common in the evenings we were studying. So I was still working and um, and then I was I was doing I was doing an MBA program in the evenings and um, and he was in law school. So uh, was able to to finish um, just in time to have my first daughter and um, 
we were married and we and I had my first daughter and then we I graduated from 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 a master's program, MBA program. And um, and then shortly after that, I moved over from the field production agriculture side of the business to the, the commercial side of the business and into product management. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, started learning about the business side. And, and at the time, the company that I was working for um, through a series of mergers and acquisitions um, had uh, had been bought by Monsanto, mm. which is a major um, multinational pharmaceutical um, bio biotechnology company, was at the time. It no longer exists anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and um, as I as I kind of progressed in my career development, I realized that the pressures of um, of uh, quarterly goals and you know shareholder value um, created a lot of stress on middle management. Mm -hmm. And I saw um, some colleagues go through some really difficult um, emotional, you know, like nervous breakdowns and so forth. And then at some point I was traveling a lot, which was very stressful on my marriage. Mm -hmm. And my, my ex-husband and I um, weren't, didn't have the tools to like work through those things together. Mm -hmm. And um, so it basically it resulted in a divorce. Mm -hmm. And that was really difficult um, emotionally um, for, and I had two kids and, um, and uh, I just realized that there wasn't, um, there wasn't really space for that in that environment, in that work environment. Mm -hmm. And um, about a year after that, I found myself um, answering the phone calls to the recruiters that were calling me. So um, I didn't actively seek um, to leave the company, mm -hmm. but I was open to the idea. Mm. And and, um, and in addition to that, I had reconnected with my college boyfriend um, who was super supportive and, you know, and, um, and very, uh, he's a very different personality in that he's very, you know, trusting and open and let an adventurous and let's like, let's do it. Come on. Let's, it'll be fun. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen. Right. And, um, and so I was open to new opportunities. I changed companies. I went to work for um, a Japanese American company, multinational ag company. And um, at that time I had the opportunity to um, pursue a PhD. And I was curious about a better way of managing because I saw the, um, the publicly traded uh, corporation approach versus a, a, a Japanese uh, pri privately owned corporation approach. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, um, there has to be, I was really very interested, you know? How were they different? Well, um, so the American, well, the, the company that I worked for um, had a very, um, um, open like entrepreneurial culture in that they encouraged people to change jobs every few years and learn something new 
And um, that, that culture is really interesting because some of the people that I got close to at the time that did really well in that culture, it was really positive for them. Mm-hmm. But other people who, who want more stability or more, it's really not stability, but like the um, want- Consistency. More, consistency, yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't positive for them. So, you know, like any culture, there are those who fit and those who don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was that, and um, and that I think was a positive thing about about the Monsanto culture. Mm-hmm. Um, the part that I didn't like was how important the short term, like achieving short term goals, was, and the incentive process mm-hmm. encouraged people to make decisions that I don't think were in the best interest of the organization long term um, or, or, or the customers, even you know. Yeah, and that's and that's really very common in in many corporations. And you use the you use an interesting term or words, uh, the shareholder value. And so the shareholder value comes at a which is understandable that it needs to happen, but it comes at a price, and it comes at a price for the internal. I call it internal and external customers. So your external customers could be your shareholders, but it also could be the consumers, right? But the internal customers, those are the people inside of the organization. That cost of that and that quality of life, in order to hit those metrics, and because you hit those metrics this month, and then next quarter the metrics are higher, and then next year the overlay is higher. And so that those, the stakes are what's needed continue to grow, but what's provided for comes down to the quality of life piece too. At some point we all have to say, can I, I need to jump off this treadmill. How do I do that? Yeah. And I mean, some people loved the treadmill and thrived mm-hmm. and others didn't. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, I've been on it. Yeah. And <laughs> it's hard to jump off, but when you uh, do, it's yeah. like, whew. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it was more difficult. It was a more difficult decision for me to make to leave that company than it was for me to divorce my ex-husband. And the reason for that, as I've like done some, you know, emotional work is um, that I felt that the company provided for me and my family. Mm-hmm. And because, as I said, my relationship, we didn't have the tools to support each other. We didn't have the tools to support each other. We were, I think, too busy trying to figure out how how to get our needs met. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I individually didn't, versus individually, together. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I didn't have that feeling of of safety from him as I did from the company. Right. It's interesting. And I'm sure that though that's thank you for sharing that because i'm sure that many people have feel can feel that those same thoughts as well yeah 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 for sure and and all the while you know i i was lucky enough that i got to i got to spend a lot of time outside with wonderful grounded um uh really salt of the earth brilliant people mm. and i had my horse uh, my horses and I had I had that outlet, and then and and then my kids and they were they were playing sports and so forth, and I had them you know doing things as well in in, in the outdoors, and we lived in the country. Um, I, I mean, there was a lot of beauty, um, mm. and um, and then at some point, it just when when I was when I wasn't um, when I was stressed, 
-hmm. and my lifestyle took me in a different direction so that I didn't have the flexibility to do what was needed to be done within the company, there wasn't room for that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that, that was frustrating to me. Um, but then I go to the Japanese company and, and the, 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 that company, well, so the Japanese corporate culture is much more conservative. Mm. So the, the American, um, at least from, with these two companies, which, you know, it's, there's some generalizations that you can, you can make with others as well. Mm -hmm. The the American, um, publicly traded company was very much like, let's project what the potential value is, and then let's spend the money with the expectation that we're going to get our return. Mm -hmm. The Japanese culture is let's put our, let's dabble our toe in the water see if we can make, see if we can make some money at a small, you know, at a small scale and then scale up. Interesting. So much more conservative, right? And much more slow to adopt new ideas and new technology. Mm -hmm. And so that can be frustrating for someone who wants to go. And um, it also- The ship turns slowly. The ship turns more slowly, for sure. Mm -hmm. The ship can turn so fast that people get whiplash on the other boat. Yes. For this one, the ship turns very slowly, right? And you want to get out and 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 start paddling on your own too, you know? So um, just different perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and as I was, as I, as I was determining what my, the subject matter for my, um, my dissertation research was, mm-hmm. I asked, I reached out to industry leaders. So the, in the ag industry, mm-hmm. I reached out to leaders and I asked, what, what, are the, what, is the biggest, what are the biggest issues facing agriculture today? Interesting. And this was back in 2016 or 17, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was expecting to have, to receive answers like, you know, resource management or you know, biotechnology, international trade, whatever, right? What was interesting to me is I did get some of those answers, but 100% of the executives that I asked the question to, 100% of them said millennials. Really? In the workforce. Yeah. Interesting. And here we are. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so that's what I studied. And um, as I was learning about millennials and what motivates them, and then um, the different. Then I learned about different generational research, and then, um, and then I was looking for leadership theories that matched with the um, with the generational motivational research that I was doing, and um, or that I was following. And I found um, I found a theory that 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 matched pretty well, and that is complexity leadership theory, mm. which um, plays on quantum physics. Um, and so needless to say, I've got very interested in those topics and spent, you know, several years, um, digging into that. And so how does that, how does that play into, and this is part of your leadership program that you've developed? Yes. And so what, what is different in, I don't know if you can take a thesis and, and squish it into a paragraph, but what, what did you find or what is the motivating factor for, and I would think that, so yes, the millennial generation, but I think that that also, especially post-COVID, bleeds out into 
the baby boomers and it bleeds out into the other cultures as well, I would think, don't you? Or did you not find that? I did find that. I did find that um, uh, people are motivated by feeling um, seen, heard, and understood mm -hmm. more so than, than um, by being rewarded financially or otherwise. Um, so, seen, heard, and understood. Yes. Yeah. And so then, you know, fostering the environment for, to, to create that mm -hmm. is really the key. And um, I mean, it's, it's much more complex than just that, but that's, well, you can imagine that trying to create that environment is, 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 it's actually, it is actually quite simple, but it, when you're teasing it apart and understanding why things work the way they work, it is actually complex. It, it can be simple to think that it, to create it, but when you're taking a current structure and changing it to incorporate those values or or incorporating those milestones within the achievement values, that that's what becomes very complex because now you're yeah. trying to modify a culture to either accept is the wrong word, but to facilitate a more productive environment with with somebody that might not be money motivated or reward motivated, but really wants to have their opinions, their opinions Validated. matter, right? And mm -hmm. I, you know, it's interesting because I see that in my adult children and knowing that they don't, one of them had worked for a larger company and just didn't, didn't thrive at all, but doing mm -hmm. the same, the same job in the same position, working for a smaller company, because that, because he's able to say, Hey, this doesn't make sense. And somebody is listening and taking that information. And of course he's shown that he's sufficient and proficient in the areas, but they're listening. Yeah. Right. And it, and it matters, but in, in, even for, you know, the baby boomer generation, we all wanted that, but maybe we weren't brave enough to say, I, I need that because it is important to know that you're making a difference. You're not just doing this hamster wheel thing to pay the bills. Right. And yeah. And the older generations were taught to mm -hmm. not push back. Right. And, and the so, millennials were taught by the older generation. Older generation. To exactly. Back, to push exactly. Back. And then they don't like it when they get pushback. Right. <laughs> so it's interesting. But um, that's an interesting dichotomy, the relationships between the generations. But um, but what's what really m motivated me once I finished my PhD research was then I went back. So I, I, I had a, I had a competition horse mm -hmm. and he passed away. And during the time I was in school. And so I, you know, obviously I didn't have a lot of time on my hands, so I didn't get another horse. But once I finished my dissertation and I went back to riding I learned that I was treating the horses the way that I didn't like to be treated. Wow. In the workplace. Wow. Interesting. Thank you. Which was the, yeah, which was the, the birth child of this, you know, consulting program that I have now. And, um, and, um, that, and that is still kind of in development, but, um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that led me down a path um, of work with the equine that um, has has changed my perspective on you know competitive equestrian sports and 
my day-to-day interactions with the horses and my day-to-day interactions with nature and with the outside. I just, I just got back, um, last night from a three-day equine, um, conference, I guess you could say, um, Mm -hmm. they called it a summit, Mm -hmm. um, where we were sharing these, these beliefs and thoughts and how the horses can and research Mm -hmm. and how the horses can teach us about, um, uh, co-regulation and like internal peace and leadership values and, and everything like that. Yeah. Can you give just a couple of examples of what might, what sticks out as maybe the larger ones that you saw, or you've, you've worked through the development process with of how the horses, how the horses are, have taught you or the aspects that, that really stand out? Well, um, so first of all, and we go back to like the quantum physics concept, right? So, you know, everything is energy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, the premise behind quantum physics is that we thought that the atom was the smallest particle until we looked inside an atom and we saw that really an atom is made up of energy. And so everything is, everything is made up of energy. Mm-hmm. So frequencies and vibrations affect um, material things, including ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and co-regulation is when your vibrations match another vibration, right? So if we look at a horse's heart, a horse's heart is much bigger than a human heart. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the vibration that comes off of a horse's heart um, is, is more impactful on us than even, you know, inner between two people. Mm. So there is a healing, a calming effect of just being around the horses because we can, we will, um, we will entrain to them. And when we're really, really good through a lot of practice, we can entrain them to us. So sometimes when a horse is really upset, we can um, help them entrain to us and calm down. But in general, yeah, in general, like the equine equine um, uh, therapy stuff is all about us and training to them, right? So, um, so this is so. Can you imagine if you have the internal um, capacity to control your emotions, control your heartbeat, control your internal vibrations? and how that can be helpful when you're having a difficult conversation Mm. in the workplace, when you're negotiating, when you're giving someone feedback, feedback, Mm -hmm. when you're receiving feedback, even more so. Yeah. And how you react to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and as you get, as you mature in your ability to understand those things, Mm -hmm then you can also have a a positive impact on how another being feels about themselves. Mm. In in other words, attunement or feeling seen, heard, and understood. Wow. So um, I think think those were the the very early learnings that blew my mind Mm -hmm. in, in, in getting into this kind of research and this kind of work. Mm-hmm. That's really fascinating. And, you know, that's, 
it would be nice to have dig into that a little bit deeper. I think that we probably it would be fun to do an additional an additional conversation just around that. So let's let's put that on the table. So because okay. I'd like to deep dive deeper into that because there's so much that that we can all learn from your studies, but there's so much that we can learn from that process and how to assimilate that into our into our lives. Yeah. Um, fascinating. Yeah. So because I feel like we're just touching the surface here, but there's so much to talk about. So I really like to get back together to delve further into that if we can. Okay. Yeah. And so, so now what, what brought you to Cal Poly as a professor? And um, what I really like about this story is that it is that entrepreneurial thought process and you've been able to kind of write your own way or create a program, which is not normal within that type of a structure, correct? Well, so <sighs> Yeah, so the next phase of this journey, as I'm learning about these um, these ways to interact with the animals and practicing in my daily job, right? Mm -hmm. um, at, then uh, my husband, my current husband, who was mm -hmm. my, my college sweetheart, right? Mm -hmm. um, he was diagnosed with cancer. And so... Um, he survived and um, and was able to eradicate the the tumor. He had he had neck cancer, uh, tonsil cancer, and um, and through that process, that life changing process, we decided, you know, if not now, when. And I didn't want to be traveling as much, and I didn't want to be. Um, I wanted more control over my day. Mm -hmm. So uh, we began looking for um, a local business to buy. And that's how we we became uh, auto repair shop owners. Um, serendipitously, a friend um, in, invited my husband to coffee and was telling him that he was selling his business. And um, so one thing led to another. We bought it and I quit my job. Mm. And... Um, and that's been a wonderful process because um, like agriculture, um, the auto repair industry is filled with very grounded, humble people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I love that. Um, I have some friends that are in different industries that I, I wouldn't say are filled with those types of people. Um, <laughs> we, won't, we won't say anymore. Um, but, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's been fantastic. And then six or eight months later, we had an opportunity to, to buy the gym. We, we were, we were going to a private gym after COVID and all the gyms were shut down. Mm -hmm. There was a private gym that my husband had been a member of because he knew he trained there when he was, a, uh, when he was a teenager and, um, and then the owner passed away. And so, um, so we um, have some, a couple of partners and and bought that gym from the from the the family. Um, so so there we have that. We also have apartments um, in San Luis Obispo, so we manage the apartments as well, rentals and um, and then one day I had put my app my resume in with Cal Poly. Um, at some point after I finished my PhD, just thinking, oh, I, I could teach on the side. And during COVID, um, 
when there was remote, you know, mm -hmm. remote classes, I thought, oh, I can do that while I'm traveling and, and this and that. But I never, I never got any response. And somehow we purchased this business and then we purchased the second business. And then I get a phone call that says, hey. Because, because you have extra time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah. So then, so, um, um, yeah. And I haven't even talked about the work with the nonprofit yet. Um, uh, yeah. My husband's best friend is a, um, a founder of a nonprofit called Operation Surf. And that is also, you know, surf therapy, outdoor nature therapy. Mm -hmm. um, we take um, wounded, um, visible and invisible wounds, injuries um, mm -hmm. of, of veterans, mm -hmm. um, U.S. veterans and our allies. And, and we take, we use the carrot of, of surfing to teach them um, a non-pharmaceutical, um, healthy therapeutic ways of living mm. and dealing with stress and trauma. Yeah. How do you see that transformation for them? Um, well, it's so having tools to handle the stresses. Um, um, I think it's what I think is um, what I've learned is that having tools to deal with emotional um, challenges mm -hmm. is very, very important. And, you know, we do have a lot of over-medicated um, people. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, that, um, that medication is not, is not necessary ever, mm -hmm. but I think we, we tend to. Um, it's the easy answer. The, well, we think it's the easy answer. We think it's the easy answer. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and yeah. it's, it's, e it's much simpler to go to the doctor and get a prescription and think that you're it's supposed to fix everything, right? But we're not teaching. We're not teaching the skills and that to to help overcome the symptoms. Right, and and most and most uh, pharmaceuticals have have side effects. So then we have to deal with that, right? So yeah, so um, it's yeah, it's super valuable. And then I see, well, regular people have stresses that we don't have the tools to deal with like you know um so yeah i think there's application there and van and amanda who the the founder and and chief executive officer they also run a private um school where they're doing they're they're expanding their private school to um people that, you know that that are like regular people that don't have you know deep trauma or ptsd and they just are trying to learn how to deal with the stresses of every day. Then some of this goes back to what you've already talked about, right? You, where you were talking about your leadership theory and being seen, heard, and understood. And for people that are in trauma or people that have, even with medical issues or whatever it happens to be, I don't, you know, the medical industry or the medical system doesn't give space for those three attributes. Well, I, fortunately, I believe there's a paradigm shift happening mm -hmm. and, um, there, there, I believe that it's coming, it's coming. Mm -hmm. I mean, even so, so even now, um, there's more, um, alternative medicine, functional medicine, conventional medicine doctors that understand the value of 
um, you know, emotional support along mm -hmm. with um, pharmacology and, and, and everything else, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I am really encouraged that there that there is a paradigm shift happening. I wish it was happening faster. Sure. But um, but yeah, it's not it's not a lost cause. No, that's good. It, We're it, not a lost cause, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it is a and it is a matter of people understanding what their what their options are, and for people to be comfortable thinking outside of the normal box. Also, so it is a it, it is a two sided monster in a way, you know, are the, are those alternative services offered, but are people actually open to consider those alternative resources and how do they find them? And right. so hopefully the two will continue to meet more aggressively and more often than they have in the past. Yeah. And so let's talk about the outdoors and the surfing piece, right? And it, it's not just this, the function of surfing, it's the the salt water and the salt air and just giving an opportunity to be, to force to be present. Yeah, the rhythm of the waves, the unpredictability of the ocean and the, the need to give up control mm -hmm. is a huge therapeutic, um, has a huge therapeutic effect. Same thing with the horses, right? You've got this huge, a very powerful animal that you have to trust is not mm -hmm. going to hurt you, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, same thing with the ocean. I mean, they're different, but <laughs> well, but but it's a, but it's a true analogy. You have to be present, and you have to be willing mm -hmm. to, like you said, give up control and allow, whether it's the water and the waves or this beautiful animal that's underneath you, to mm -hmm. have have a say in what's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. And and figure out at what point in time you have to. Um, exhibit a little control of the situation, right? And and how you how you anticipate well, that? Yeah, I mean, you 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 can only control yourself, mm -hmm. and understanding that um, tends to give a better outcome. <laughs> you know that you know I'm not trying to control the ocean. I'm not trying to control the horse, mm -hmm. and um, and. I can only control myself so that I respond in a positive way. And, and, and what tends to happen is that a more positive outcome. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it, it, that takes faith, you know? So whether you're religious or spiritual or anything, there is faith required in making that leap. And so how do you, because you have more than one ball in the air, there's like 20, <laughs> what do you do for yourself, Kimberly, to make sure that you are taking care of yourself in order to take care of others? So um, I can say that um, it's it's a challenge. I've learned, uh, and and it's been a journey mm -hmm. for sure. Um, I've right now. I have developed some tools. So at this very moment, we have a lot of. Um, a lot of what many people would consider negative negative things happening and um and i feel that i have tools to help manage and because i have these tools i have the energy every day to deal with what is on my plate so this is my first quarter teaching 
um, at the university and I'm and I'm teaching a class that hasn't been taught in over four years. So developing the curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got the we've got a, a, a business that we're um, in the process of expanding and growing. Um, my husband has recently just been diagnosed with lung cancer. That is his tonsil cancer spread to his lungs. Mm. Um, our dog died two weeks ago, um, was, which was a shock because he's, uh, was a healthy six-year-old dog, mm -hmm. Australian shepherd. Um, that was a shock. And I'm, uh, we've got an employee that, um, worked for us for two weeks and he's now suing us, um, we're not entirely sure, but I suspect for a wrongful termination. And um, and last Wednesday, one of our apartments caught on fire. And wow. so um, needless to say, there's a lot of um, really challenging things, you know, trying to manage, you know, the business and the apartments and the insurance and the legal team and the emotions and the doctors and um and I, I I can say that I have to feed my horses every day. Mm -hmm. So I I spend a little bit of time just connecting with them. Mm -hmm. My husband is um, my husband is in recovery. He's a um, a recovering alcoholic drug addict, mm -hmm. and um, he's got 15 years of sobriety, and he um, and he's heavily involved in Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12-step program. And um, I have had my exposure to the 12-step 12-step program through Al-Anon. Mm -hmm. We have a couples group um, that um, of couples who are all um, involved in some sort of a 12-step program that we meet with every other Saturday. Um, my husband has a daily practice of um prayer and um and he goes to meetings every day mm -hmm. um and I have a um I like to call him my magical fairy um he is officially a chiropractor but um <laughs> he's not like any chiropractor I've ever met he doesn't do the cracking he 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 works with breathing and um and your nervous system and making sure that the energy is flowing through your nervous system. So mm -hmm. I see him a couple of times a week. And I can tell you that through the, these little things that, that pepper my week, um, I can sleep at night mm -hmm. and that sleep at night helps me have the energy to, um, to stay focused and, and just do one thing at a time and stay present in the moment and not get too caught up in, what's coming next um and what I, I what i hear that i think is incredibly important and you're talking about tools tools and resources right in people need to realize that they they shouldn't have to be alone to go through what they're whatever they're going through and having a support system outside of your family, you know, uh, and a support, a support system that is not emotionally engaged with exactly what's going on with you. Right. And having those fresh looks or somebody that's, that can be, um, that can look at your situation 
from the outside looking in rather than the inside looking out and having resources to to remind yourself of how important you are. Yeah, I think um, over the weekend, one of the exercises that I did was one of the speakers at the conference, you know, said something about, you know, who is your team, right? Mm -hmm. And so I did, a, I did a little mental exercise on who is my team? Who do I go to that's going to tell me the truth even when I don't want to hear it? Mm. Yeah, and um, yeah, I've got, an, I've got a great team. And also um, having a relationship with yourself. Um, and being okay with being alone with yourself and your thoughts is, um, huge. Mm, yeah, that's, yes, because it, alone with your thoughts and allowing them to go places that they shouldn't go is also important to, to, to pull back. Yeah. So, so some of, we've talked a lot about a lot of things and mm -hmm. and a lot of things that stand out are having a team having a re having the resources and people to fall fall into and understanding if you're a person that needs to be seen heard and understood to acknowledge that and and then also find areas that that can um support that thought process and i, I really want to thank you too for for sharing all of your stories with us. And, and I would like to have a section two and really take a deeper dive into the leadership piece and understanding how that works. If that's something that you would be interested in, I would love to share that with the listeners. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah. And as we as we leave this today, tell tell us how people can get in touch with you, whether it's for the the military and um, with the surfing program or for your equine program, or if you're in the San Luis Obispo area, great place to get your car fixed. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and the team, the culture that we've developed at Rona's Quality Auto Repair in San Luis Obispo is, um, is that of collaboration. And you know, we it feels like a family, there's a lot of joy mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and so we have very professional, highly skilled, um, team of people working on the vehicles. Uh, but, but beyond that, there is joy and we try to share that joy with our clients as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so I can, you can reach me, um, you can always Google Kimberly Cooden and my LinkedIn profile will come up. My Facebook profile will come up. Kudenenterprises.com is um, the um, the consulting business, I guess you would call it. Um, I'm not sure exactly what to call it. Um, experience, retreats, whatever. Um, Rona's, W-R-O-N-A-S.com um, is, um, is the auto repair shop. Kimberly, thank you. It's been it's been a pleasure talking with you, and I really appreciate your time today and sharing your story. Um, and I look forward to part two. Thank you. Thank you so much.
Grand Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.